Oh. God is good. God is good. I am so happy about that. Um, wonderful. We are going to be moving into our sermon now. It's a brand new sermon series, and uh, I'm excited about it. Um, it's called Empowered Speech. Empowered Speech. And we're going to be studying some pretty awesome stuff over the next four weeks. Um, lots of powerful things going to be talked about. And, uh, and we're just really, really blessed to be able to bring this sermon series. I believe that this is exactly what God wants to say to this congregation right now. And, uh, and so we are, we are blessed. Um, if you are at home watching, then, uh, then we're blessed that, that, you're, that you're involved. And uh, yeah, so this is a sermon series on empowered speech. Um, I just wanted to make note of a couple of things that happened this week. Um, you can see that there has been some renovations being going on. We are still working on getting more renovations done. If you want to be involved in that, join or put on Slack. I want to be involved in the building committee, and I'll get you into that channel on Slack. But these renovations are they are taking a long time. They're, they're hard work. We're doing it a lot with volunteers. Um, and, uh, and so this week, we got, we got some painting done. We got some mudding. We're going to be finishing up this back wainscoting here. Um, the full vision of it is actually we're building a very, a very low stage uh, that's, that's going to be here. And then we're going to have a couple of walls that are, that are going to come out here so that when you walk in, you're not walking into on stage. You're going to walk in to the side and you're going to walk into the side so that you're not feeling like, oh my goodness, I walked in on stage and now I'm one of the worship leaders. Like, um, so we're just going to allow for a little bit more discreet, um, uh, discreet pass-through. And actually, the wall will be probably about that height, maybe a little bit higher. And, uh, and so we've just been really excited. I just wanted to, to give a shout-out to a couple of people who were here during, during the week. Um, Chris was working in this room. Uh, this week, and Michaela and uh, Danielle and Bree were here, and they repainted our nursery this week. And what an awesome job they did on the nursery! So yeah, let's just give some appreciation for them. Just appreciate them coming by and doing work on that. It's huge, huge stuff, and definitely getting people involved in it is just wonderful. Lots of painting um, to be done. Let me change the change the tone for a moment. I'm going to pray. God, as we come into a whole sermon series on empowered speech, Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be prepared to be empowered, that we would recognize where power itself comes from. Jesus, that we would be willing to hold a different narrative than our culture, and that we would hold to you and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I need to give a, uh, an introduction and a sensitivity comment. And that's hilarious. Because, because I recognize that although this church is a Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada church, the people who attend this church don't all share the same 
Christian heritage. So the traditions you come from are not necessarily Pentecostal. We come from all over the place. We've got a whole bunch of CRC. We have some, some Catholics that attend. We have some, uh, some Baptists that attend. We've got Pentecostals. We've got Charismatics. We've got Mennonites that attend. We've got a whole bunch of other people. You you're not a Mennonite. Now, I know you're not a Mennonite. Sorry, I didn't mean to make con eye contact with you when I said that. Um, we, we have just a whole bunch of different traditions in which we come from, but you now attend a Pentecostal church, and there are assumptions built into what are Pentecostals. I mean, back in our history, we were known as the holy rollers. We were known as the, as the people, you know, hanging off the chandeliers, the crazy charismatics, the ones that were out there, you know, speaking in tongues, dropping people slain in the spirit, and then prophesying them all the way back up again. We were, we were the people that did altar calls for three and a half hours, and then some because the Holy Spirit wouldn't give up. You know, that was kind of the, the history of the PAOC in a real brief second. But that hasn't been everybody's experience. And, and so, thank you. On Slack, we have our first sermon title. Someone's like, I'm a holy roller. You know, part of our heritage as a Pentecostal assembly is is we were holiness people. We came out of the Wesleyan movement, and we were very, very concerned about the way you live. You better get it right. Um, there were a lot of really big things in the PUC, but what we have in this congregation is, a, is a, an eclectic group. And so my job over the next four weeks and the other people who are preaching over the next four weeks is not to... Not to enforce anything, but to clarify and bring common language around the beliefs of the POC and around what I believe as a minister of the gospel. Um, that, that helps set the tone for a church. It helps set the tone for how do we do this. So if there's something that, you know, is taught in this sermon series that you disagree with, it's Okay. It's totally okay. Not one of us has a perfect corner of theological understanding, and we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us in all truth and to lead us to Jesus, who, according to Hebrews, is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Is anybody in the room that needs their faith perfected by Jesus? Is there anybody in the room that's not quite there yet? Okay, and the rest of you, I don't know what you're doing, right? So we need our faith constantly perfected by Jesus. Um, someone said, I'm glad that Pentecostals are allowed to play cards now. Still hotly debated. Um, we're not sure. So that was the sensitivity comment. The second thing that I need to do in an introduction, as is consistent with my previous sermon series, I completely reject any ranking among Christians based on the expression of their spiritual gifts. The fact that God has given each one of us spiritual gifts does not make you or break you in terms of the ranking of a Christian. It is all held humbly where we say, wow, look what God did. It is not a matter of, wow, I must be a really good Christian because I got that, or I must be a bad Christian because I can't do anything. It's a, it is a gift that God does for the edification of the church. 
So we all have the same spirit, and God is our unifying source. And so today we unify around, around God, around the person of Jesus and expressed in the Holy Spirit today. And that is, that is where we are starting. Now, that being said, I have a question for you that is, that's going to be fun because I don't actually know what your answer is going to be because it's, it's a little bit of a heady question. It's a little bit of a challenge. I want to start with empowered speech with, with this question. How do you define truth? How do you define truth? What, a, what is that that we're, that we're talking about here? Like, how do you define it? Some of you might answer in terms of how do you recognize it. Some of you might answer in terms of, of this is what truth is. How do you define truth? For John Wesley, back in the day, he created something that we now call the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And in it, he placed the locus of authority of theological truth in Scripture. I mean, we as Christians, we know that Scripture is outlining the truth of God and it's not answering the questions of if there was a famine in Yemen in 2020. Scripture doesn't actually answer that question. You know, was there a famine in Yemen in 2020? Has it been ongoing? Is it still there? What is it caused by? The Bible's not answering those questions in specific. But we look at the Bible as the authority of truth. The Bible does give us a view of how to, how to, divine, to find truth. So Wesley's quadrilateral, quadrilateral includes three other metrics of truth that are subordinate to Scripture. It is, it is Scripture, reason, experience, and tradition. In, in reason, as so long as it doesn't contradict Scripture... In tradition, in so much as it, it gives us an experiential connection to Scripture. And an experience in so much as you know something empirically because you've experienced it. It happened to you. So our perception of truth, um, when we want to define it, we start to look to these quadrants. Now, that's been highly debated. And so I want to see what you guys look at for how do you define truth truth. Someone says, well, if you want the definition of truth, you look in the dictionary. Of course. Someone says, Jesus is truth and sets the bar for what truth is. Someone says, I yield my definition of truth to the Bible. Now, that's an interesting thing, that truth should itself conform to Scripture, and that's a challenge, isn't it? Like, if I look at, if I look at life, and then I say, life has to conform itself to Scripture. Or do I have to say, Scripture has to conform itself to life? And that's a huge debate right now in terms of how do you allow Scripture to speak and then, and then allow that Scripture to be brought into culture? Do you have to alter Scripture or do you have to change culture to make it reflective of Scripture. Really, really big questions here. 
With all the deception in media, medicine, education, and politics, it's never been a harder task to define truth. Someone else says, what Jesus says to you through prayer is how I define truth and the Bible. See, truth is actually defined by God himself. Truth is defined by God himself, and that statement becomes challenging to our modern thinking and our postmodern thinking, but truth is defined by God himself. When God creates, it's through speech. So God creates truth through speech. This is actually what happens. When God speaks, what God said becomes true, plain and simple. And the first place I look at that is I actually go right back to Genesis, and I see the creation story. Genesis 1 records the phrase, God said, ten times. It was not the only words that came out of God's mouth in the chapter, though. There are non-creative words that God uses to describe what he just created. Like he called the, the light day and the darkness night. But there's a distinction in the voice used. When God said it was created, his word alone had the authority to create truth. What we would know as truth. When he speaks it, it becomes true. So God's word is empowered by God's will. So, so if we want to speak empowered speech, we actually need to become in line with God's will. Because Whatever God says, he is reflecting what his will is, and that changes reality. In fact, it shapes reality. It creates reality. It makes it true. If God says it, it becomes true, and that's what the creation story tells us. So, someone said, when I say gravity is real, is that truth? It's not in the Bible. We don't even observe gravity itself. We, obscure, we observe its effects to the point where we know that it is true. Exactly. So, so we use reason and we use experience and we use, uh, we use tradition that came down from John Newton. And we say, indeed, gravity is true. And we, and we then can use Scripture to allow us that framework because God spoke the world into being as it is. And so, no, it didn't delineate every single law of physics. God didn't reveal absolutely everything in that creative process, but he indeed put that framework in place. And so, yes, I can say, sure, gravity is true. Um, and someone else has just contributed and, and just put John 17, 17, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. God's word is empowered by God's will. So God reveals truth through speech. In the same passage, we see the phrase God called three times, and God blessed 
three times. These speech acts reveal truth of our physical world and are intended, um, and our intended place in the world. So Genesis 1.30 concludes with the words, and it was so. God said it. It created it. It also defined its role and its opportunity. His speech, God reveals truth through his speech. So it's not the only place where God reveals truth through speech. But in it, we see that God is setting the boundaries and the order that defines our natural world. Since we live in a naturalistic society one that struggles with with spiritual beliefs, we see that the empirical truth of the order of God is defined by God's word. So let me get to Deuteronomy 5. Wow, Peyton's killing me. (laughs) Um, Let me get to Deuteronomy 5. Sorry, Michaela. I love you and I love Peyton. But I'm like, baby. I absolutely love babies. Deuteronomy 5, 1 to 6. And Moses summoned all Israel, and he said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules I speak in your hearing today. You will learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Harab, not with our fathers, not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us alive here today. The Lord spoke with you face to face in the mountain, in the midst of the fire, while I stood between you and the Lord at that time to declare the word of the Lord to you, because you were afraid, because of the fire, you didn't go up into the mountain. And God said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. See, the story here is that as we read Deuteronomy, God speaks. God speaks. And when God speaks, it sets the framework for how he wants us as his created beings to live. This is, this is actually how God wants us to live. God spoke. The Lord spoke. And Moses, who was the prophet, we're going to get into prophetic speech next week with Pastor Danielle. Moses, who was the prophet, spoke to the people with the authority of God. When God speaks, he speaks of his will. That defines truth. And so Moses then speaks the Lord's words, and defines the nation of Israel, God's people. The, the words that come out of uh, Moses' mouth after, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery, became the most famous words spoken in all human history. They outline the Ten Commandments. They reveal the true way of God. So Joshua, the leader of Israel after Moses, says in Joshua 22.5, says, Be careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant, the Lord has commanded you. That is a speech act. Love the Lord your God 
Walk in his ways. Keep his commandments and cling to him. Serve him with all of your heart or all of your being, with all of your soul. So we understand, and this is the basis of our understanding of truth. We understand truth because it is through God's Word. That's what we do. We understand truth through God's Word. And as a culture, we actually are slipping away from that. We want to understand truth through anything but God's Word. And, and you know, when, when Christians say, oh, well, you know, how do you become a better Christian? You read your Bible and pray every day. Well, but of course, because God's revealed Word shapes our reality. That's what it is to have faith in God. So, what mechanisms can we use to explore absolute truth? We started off with Scripture. But what mechanisms can you, as a person, use to explore truth statements? And in our culture, we actually even question, is there such a thing as absolute truth? We get the, the philosophical debate between Locke and Hume, and I'm not going to get into it, but it ended with one of them smashing the other with a chair and saying, do you believe that hurt? <laughs> like, there, there's, the, there's the whole piece of... of how do you explore this absolute truth? What are the mechanisms that we have? <laughs> what are the mechanisms we have to explore absolute truth? Someone's like, N.T. Wright. There you go. Good theological art author. You use N.T. Wright. Um, it's, it's not bad. It is a mechanism. As a culture, we pushed against the authority of God's truth, and we've created something that Oprah likes to call our truth. It's based on current internet influencers and our opinions because humanity is so inherently rebellious. We don't like to be told that this is the way it is. So we're like, no, God, you don't get to have that authority over me. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to go define my own truth. And we watch how culture loses its ability to have unity because there's no agreed-upon starting point. You know the, the word community, it's one of our values as a church. The word community actually breaks into common unity. It's, it's the place where we have common unity, that is a community, and our culture lacks it because we've undermined what truth is. We've allowed it to be our truth, so my truth is different than your truth. Therefore, there is no common unity between us. That sucks. That's terrible. And then we wonder why people feel so much angst about the, the culture and about where we're going. It doesn't work like that. So, what are some of the mechanisms used? I'm seeing lots of answers come up. It's good. I'm going to get to them in just a minute. So God is the author of truth, and God's authority is through his spoken word because his spoken word reflects his will. That's so important because this isn't actually changed by your opinion. It's not changed by the way that you think about it. Who cares what you think about? God is saying, I want this to happen 
I will speak it, and then it happens. He speaks. Did he ever, let me just put this in, into context for you. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We have this speech act that is so key for understanding truth. For centuries, we've looked to God's spoken word to guide our fathers and our forefathers and mothers and foremothers. Is that a word? We do share a lineage with the, with the ancient mothers and fathers of our faith that lived hundreds of years ago. They based their life and often their death on the truths that we explore today. Empowered speech comes from us as we reflect on these eternal truths today speaking in this building. So empowered speech accurately represents the will of God in the world today. That's what gives it power. Empowered speech accurately reflects the will of God in the world today. That's what gives it power. When we're able to reflect that Okay, so what mechanisms do you have? Somebody's like, Google? Well, it's an unreliable mechanism, yes? Um, someone just said, I Googled N.T. Wright. Brilliant. <laughs> you can come to Sunday morning Bible study where we discuss these things in community. Sunday mornings at, at 9.45. We could talk about our study of the Bible, and then people go, oh, well, if we use the Bible, then, then how do we interpret the Bible? But of course... That's what community is. That's the common unity we have, that, that desire to uncover God's truth as we search the Bible. It doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with your understanding of it and you're going to agree with mine, but we're going to have that common place of starting. It doesn't mean that the New King James Version is going to be the exact same as the New Living Translation. No, but there's a common desire to understand the truth of God. And we're being driven forward by that. Someone says that a mechanism for understanding and exploring truth is to believe in the full gospel. To be surrounded by community with sound theology. Someone says the Bible doesn't always address modern or specific problems like the famine in Yemen. You need a relationship with Christ, and I would add, end the church, that recognizes his voice. Thank you. Actually, it was there. And that voice or relationship needs to line up with who we know God to be. Exactly. We need that conversation that gets constantly held up to Scripture. So if we want to be qualified Christians, if we want to be people of the truth, it is incumbent on us to be listening and reading Scripture. You have to, because without it, you're stuck with my opinion, which, pardon me, isn't quite at the same caliber as the Word of God. And so you're stuck with something, thank you, you're stuck with something that is, that is less powerful. And so Scripture gives us that basis. Someone said, as a side note, it's pretty crazy that we're made by an all-powerful God that speaks things into being. And he gave us the freedom to tell us, hey, you should go do this. And we can say no 
thank you. I'm going to mess it up instead. He literally spoke the world into existence, but he doesn't force us to do what we ought to do, and he gives us free choice. That is a powerful God, a powerful God that has given you the ability to choose him. If God is the authority through his spoken word, does God still speak today? Does God still have a will for the world today? I believe that he does. And if he does, it stands to reason that he still speaks his will into the world today. God is not unable to address the famine in Yemen. God is not unable to, to address the social unrest and the angst that we feel in the northern GTA. God still speaks today. And the Pentecostal belief is that God still speaks today. So we see that God uses that. Empowered speech accurately represents the will of God in the world today. So once we know our scripture, once we know the direction that God's doing, we live in a community. Now, when we speak the will of God today, that speech is empowered. It is powerful to change lives. It is powerful to bring healing. It is powerful to change perspectives. It is powerful to change your reality. I remember when I was going through my hardest time in my life, and God spoke change into my life. And within 24 hours, the hardest time of my life was, was relieved because God spoke change. He said, all right, that's far enough. I'm going to rebuild you from here on. And it's never looked back. God's will is powerful, and his speech changes us. And when we can see the will of God through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit, and we speak it, it changes the world around us. Here's my Slack question for you. Have you ever spoken with empowered speech? Just reflect on that for a second. Have you ever spoken something that reflected the will of God so much that it changed somebody's reality or it changed your reality? It created something. It was powerful. Have you ever spoken with empowered speech? John Wesley's quadrilateral had scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And this is just going to help us with our discovery as I, as I close. Tradition itself is under fire because in, in our 21st century enlightened culture, we believe that we're progressing further than anybody else in history has. Therefore, tradition and history isn't really valued much anymore because it's like, meh, whatever. Tradition insofar it aligns with scriptural belief is beneficial for us to understand God's unchanging truth. Rationality. Guard against falsehood that contradicts already revealed truth. 
Guys, if you search the internet, there's some unrational arguments out there. There's some stuff, even Christian stuff, that's just like, we're lacking rationality here. Like, please turn your brain on. Allow the truth that you read, that you, that you absorb to be defined by Scripture and by God's eternal revealed truth. This irrational stuff that's out there, please just stop it. <laughs> stop it. Always a good YouTube. So, experience. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. There's an invitation in Scripture for the Word of God to be tasted and experienced. In communion, we're attempting to bring this mystery into our senses and our experience. Did you, did you realize that communion is an eating and drinking experience? It is a tasting experience. And in that, we recognize that, that this connection with our senses shows us a truth. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. There is a, there's a full experience that we have in the truth of God through taking communion, like we did in a few minutes ago, where we laid stuff down. But there are even more experiences to be had. When you experience God speaking His will through you, when you experience empowered speech, it's an experience like no other. I remember I've been talking to people in, in, in my ministry life, and, and I'm talking and I'm talking, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, Holy Spirit is speaking some deep truth right now. I was, I was, meeting, with, uh, I was meeting with Carl one day, and, uh, and we were talking, and all of a sudden I realized that as I was speaking into his life, I was like, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. This isn't just my opinion. And Carl picked it up as well, and he was like, that is exactly what God is saying in my life, right? This is, there you go. You had to say yes. I appreciate that. Um, no, he told me in the moment that that was, that that was the reality. Like, God speaking through you is an experience like no other where you're able to reflect God's eternal truth. Guys, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. Scripture. And Scripture stands apart from all these. If you want to know God's truth, you must, and I can't overstate it, you must know Scripture. In Scripture, we see the most reliable source of God's revelation. And since God's not changing yesterday, today, and forever, we have to know that here is the, the rock foundation. Yes, it is in Jesus. Absolutely. But where else are you finding the truth of Jesus if it's not in Scripture? In Scripture, Jesus is fully revealed as our hope for life. Okay, so have you ever spoken with empowered speech? I'd love to hear this one. So good. Yes, sometimes where I felt like I was given the go-ahead with authority, and sometimes it feels like the Spirit is speaking directly through me, and sometimes it feels like I have no control. 
Someone says in Power Speech, yes, when praying into and over a life situation, bringing the, bringing the mind and the will and the heart and the Word of God into that situation, this is where all of a sudden everything lines up and you start to speak that powerful will of God. Yes, prayer is definitely a place that we, that we start to experience this. Someone else says, God does use me to speak with an empowered speech, but sometimes he doesn't give me something distinct when I desire it. Sometimes my empowered speech is simply speaking scripture over someone or something. Absolutely, scripture, when you read scripture out loud to someone, that is empowered. That is empowered because it perfectly aligns with God's eternal will. I love this one. Someone says, in the darkest time of my life, I came to God with a broken and humble heart, and I spoke his promises written in the Bible, and he did much more than I could ever imagine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is clear to me that God empowers speech yesterday, today, and forever. God's speech is vocalizing God's will. And I need to just pull one more little note out. There are times where people will try to use God's speech as, or what they claim is God's speech as an authority over you. As a power over you that you have to listen to them because God told them that you had to do this. Like God told them, most sinister, obvious one, God told them that, that you have to give them $150 right now. All right. There are abuses that people take in this. This is not to open us up to those abuses. This is for us to recognize that through Scripture, God reveals His truth. And guess what? God didn't say that to that person. There's nothing in Scripture that, that gives me the precedent to believe that, you know, if I just walk up to one of you guys on the balcony and say, God told me that you need to give me this much money right now. Do it or you're not pleasing God. God don't, don't, doesn't say that. There's no precedent in Scripture that allows me to say that. That would be an abuse of power. Here's what God might say to you. But he says it to you. Or he says it to me, Rob, I want you to walk up to that person right now, and I want you to give them $150. Now, that might be empowered. I might not like it, though. <laughs> so, so God, because he doesn't coerce, will not demand from anybody by using his authority. If God wanted to demand us into things by using his authority, he would have already done it, and you would have already been obeying him. So, God will always allow us the free will of response. I just wanted to be, to, to really just talk about in empowered speech, we really do need to have discernment to make sure that we don't fall into power trouble. <laughs> Someone just said, I'll take your $150, Rob. <laughs> Never listen when somebody has a personal agenda God's speech always comes in humility. Empowered speech accurately represents the will of God in the world today. That is what gives power. Let me pray. God, as we do the foundation about truth and we recognize that you show truth through spirit, 
uh, through your scripture, through, through uh, rationality, through tradition, through our experience. We recognize that you do this. God, we build our life on you, that firm foundation. Christ is my firm foundation. We build our life on this truth. But God, sometimes we don't know this truth. Forgive us for our ignorance. Birth in us a desire to know your word so that we can discern that which is true in a world that's so muddied that we will be able to discern truth by the work of your Holy Spirit. Empower our speech to align with your will. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, which is according to my will, you will have it. This isn't to name it and claim it. This is simply because it is spoken according to your will. That's what gives it power. So God, help us know your will, that your will is so greater, so much greater than everything. It defines our reality. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would become humble servants of the reality that you are creating in this world, the promise that you have for us, that you would live with us and make all things right. Help us foreshadow it in our speech and in our action. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for attending church again because this is for you, that the whole body of Christ would be built up. I pray today that you are encouraged and built up. God bless you. We will see you next Sunday as we continue this sermon series.